It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey folks, did you forget about us? Did you leave us for dead? Well, you come at me with a baseball bat, I'll come back with a knife. You come at me with a knife, I'm coming at you with a gun. And if you think you killed me, you better be damn sure you killed me because I'm going to wake up out of that hospital bed. Come on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Little different podcast, different podcast. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, welcome back, guys. It's American Loser. I'm KP Burke. I'm your host. I'm a Jersey-based comedian. Jersey guy. Yeah, Jersey guy. It is what it is, man. It's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. If I could have had a clip of that, I would have put that up on Instagram now. A little inside baseball for me and the voice behind the ones and the twos, folks. All right. He's been with us for all four years of this ridiculous adventure where my father and I bring you the stories of the biggest tales of losers from American history. But we can't do any of that without a guy who knows how to run the computers, is also charming and has an excellent voice himself. Also, he happens to be very close friends with the director of Escape from Jacksonville. Give it up for the big kahuna, folks. Hey, baby. How you doing? Ugh. It's great to see you. Don't great ruin your voice. Here. No, you put on that Barry White shit right now. You understand? It's great to be here, man. <laughs> Let's get it all. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to be here. It's just me and the Kahuna here today, folks. All right. So, well, we're very excited. South we're Beach missing, Larry. And we're missing our South. We're missing South Beach Larry. But don't worry, folks. When he comes back, he'll be darker than I am. That's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old uh, South Beach Larry LP, my father, the retired shop teacher and American history history aficionado is uh, down in South Beach with my mom right now. They're enjoying uh, their retirement as well they should. So I'll say this, folks. I'll say this. We're going to get an episode out here for you. We have a million side projects we've been working on. Actually, Kahuna and I, this is kind of fun, man. We get to catch up a little bit here. And don't worry, there's a great episode here. Uh, And we did do some diligent research for it. And I did do some good writing on this one. But we had a fun little moment here uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kahuna. We were over at the dojo in Morris Plains, Mm -hmm. run by the great Mike Romanelli. One of the, uh, honest to God, I think it's one of the best it's going to take about 10 years, but that club's going to become uh, iconic. I could see it. It's like it's imagery. What you guys te- what you guys are able to do. I think I think it's going to be a legendary spot. Absolutely. And, it, and it's already in the making. So there's been some really great nights over there. There's more great stuff coming up, man. I've been so honored, too, because the founding losers and the rest of you good folks, uh, just fans and uh, family members and uh, supporters of uh, the show and everything. Uh, have actually helped me sell that bad boy out twice. So we're going to announce some more dates coming up for that one here soon. I did talk to Mike earlier and I got to set him up with uh, the silent business partner. Not so silent anymore. We just uh, had the fifth year anniversary over the dojo and the great Sam Tripoli came in from the West Coast. We were hanging out with good old Sam, who I really love. I I really just, I clicked with him right away and they needed a guy to film some stuff. And I said, hey, uh, listen, I got the best in the business for you folks. You want to deal with the big kahuna and sure enough you came through man and i saw your work too it was great work i'm looking for i can't wait to chop up my uh clips that you uh, filmed for me because i didn't even tell you i was sneaking in that night no which was the best surprise ever because <laughs> i was because you had told me that you weren't going to be there 
the nights that I was going to. So I was just, I was just like, cool, this is cool. I get to work with other comedians. Then my boy walks in and it was fucking it was, awesome. Uh, and he yeah, kills it. It was a fun surprise too, man, because uh, I love that club. I was there on Thursday for the fifth year anniversary. And then I snuck in on the Friday uh, after I was able to get out of my other thing. And then Saturday all worked out, man. We've been busy. Comedy's picking back up again. Not that it was ever quiet, but I'm the kind of guy where I have one weekend where I'm not working. And I was like, I'm a sham. My life is over. <laughs> but things have been absolutely killer, man. Uh, so, of course, we're going to get into it here. But I'll tell you guys what. We've been doing this show for four years. Uh, we've been having crazy fun with it. Kahuna, I'm not going to tell our guests this coming Saturday that we're going to record with, um, who, by the way, is a, a Cousin Kelly, one of my favorite people ever. Um, we're not going to tell her this. She was technically on the second episode ever of American Loser, because wow. w which we accidentally released as the first. Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my God! Yeah, you're right. Um, no, it wasn't Edgar Allan Poe. She came back in for Edgar Allan Poe. I'm already screwing this Wait, up. She came we, in for Garfield. Didn't we do, redo Edgar Allan Poe? No, we didn't have to. That one. She was perfect on that. It was um, uh, Charles J. Gateau, obviously the uh, the James Garfield. Uh, episode. The, in, the, ins the inspiration of the loser scale. Oh, totally, man. Which we should bring <laughs> back too, by the way. We should. We'll rank all that stuff too. I'm excited, folks. I can announce a couple of things for you. I'm taking a little bit of a break from the show, but we're going to do something first, okay? The show is not going to continue as a, in its current form here. We're going to work on a couple of things. Kahuna and I are spitballing ideas. There will be content coming out for you guys as well. But old KP has to sit down and write a goddamn book. That's what I've been trying to put off for six years now, but it's finally going to have to happen. We're coming up to an election year. Politics have quieted down a little bit, a little bit, where I can actually sit there and do this episode properly. It's going to be a history of all the elections in American history, and I'm going to cover each chapter will be a different person who ran and was almost the commander in chief of the United States, the highest office in the land, if you will. So it's a stepping stone to, that lose, to, to, uh, to an eventual American loser book. It's uh, we've got all that. The regular American I mean, loser books it coming. Is. Oh it, yeah, it is. We're you're talking about presidential losers. We have that. That's the the first uh, incarnation of it, if you will. Which again is, by the way, what the original show was going to be here. And then we just started finding colorful characters like Charles J. Gateau, Dan Sickles, Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, Poe. <laughs> uh, and then how Preston the, Tucker. Preston Tucker. By the way, very popular episode too. By the way, no way. It really, really? was. It did very well, man. Um, so never doubt the Kahuna folks. Never doubt them. Because people people were like, Kahuna's got the paper rustling? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that was such a fun episode to do, man, just to watch uh, you and the old man going back and forth. But uh, we're going to continue to show. My father's down in Florida right now. It's the perfect time to take a little bit of a break from the show. So we're going to enjoy enjoy this great story we're about to tell you here today. And then we have a big one we're sending off with next week, which will, by the way, be our 200th episode. What? Correct. Now, uh, the scale is off a little bit because I didn't release all the Patreon episodes yet uh, for free, which, by the way, we make them wait at least a full year or so before it comes out because we love the founding losers. You're the only reason we can keep doing this thing. And don't get me wrong, too, by the way. I'm not going to charge you guys if I'm not putting the podcast out. I won't do it. You know what I mean? It just doesn't – it feels gross to me. What I want you guys to do instead is we're going to do – there's a couple things you'll see. If you guys enjoy the content, we're going to do that. There's going to be a couple of online hangs I want to do. So, we're going to take everybody's email addresses in the Patreon. Guys, Adam, I'm going to – we're going to figure something out because I, I got to talk to him about this. We're going to keep it going. I promise you, KP. We're going we're to be good. This son of a bitch. You see him, folks? This is why we love him. All right. I won't – I won't say anything else. We have a couple great ideas. There's going to be more content coming in. I got to write my book. We've got to shoot a couple of sketches. I've got to write another hour of comedy. Uh, we're trying to take this thing to the next level here. And we only get to do it because of you guys. So thank you for that. Um, Kahuna? Yeah. 
we're not a political show, buddy. No, we're not. We're not a political show. Now, some people figured out, and by the way, anybody who tries to figure out where I stand on anything, I tend to wind up confusing <laughs> you as much as I confuse myself. So <laughs> this um, is very true. Oh yeah, you put me in a uh, uh, the, the middle. You put me in Bible Belt, you know, red states, and I, I kind of have a hard time because I'm like, come on, guys, you, you're gonna, we're going to talk honest, right? We're going to say things, and they're like, we don't talk that way here. And then yeah. you, you can put me into deep, deep blue, hyper progressive communist Bernie Sanders land. I'm sorry, Brooklyn for short. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was just Williamsburg. The rest of Brooklyn's pretty cool. All right. Williamsburg turned into some sort of a weird hipster uh, uh, midlife crisis vacation land, <laughs> but quarter life crisis vacation land. But um, you put me there and the people are smart enough to appreciate the conversations I want to have, but then they won't let me talk honest either. So I'm stuck. We're, I'm a man without a country here, which is why I think we're able to tell these stories. Mm. So I got a good one for you, Kahuna. There was a, I don't know if you know this, uh, Kahuna, there was a story at the Capitol building not too long ago. Yeah, there was a, a, a tiny little incident where like, you know, just a small group of people tried to like overthrow the government and all that type of shit. I, I maintain too, by the way, is that if you want to have a true exercise in the uh, control of power, how to wield power properly in a controlled manner, Look no further than Taylor Swift. <laughs> if uh, what I have seen, the Swift hasn't been the same. Oh my God! Yeah, he's done. He he really is. He was finished. A quiet, polite. She took him out like mafia style. Like it's just business, you know. And all of a sudden, he's he's gone. Um, and mind you, the Swifties they get things done. If Taylor Swift had tweeted out, "We're taking over the you know the Capitol building." Nancy Pelosi's head would be rolling down the steps of the I'm office. Not, I'm not going to. You know what? Yeah, I, I'm not going to deny it. I'm afraid I of agree. Swifties. I'm terrified. Look what they're doing. They're about to win the fight with Ticketmaster that Pearl Jam lost 20 years ago. It's incredible. It's scary. But what if Holy I told you? Holy shit. You're mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I forgot all about. Diehard Pearl Jam fan here, too, by the way. My dog was named Eddie Vedder. Okay. But oh they God. lost that war. They lost that war. They got their ass handed to him in a high hat. And T-Swift is about to change things. And by the way, Taylor Swift's about to make that better for a lot of comedians because a lot of comedians are getting screwed over too. I know my pal Mike Cannon was having issues. No, Who that whole Ticketmaster thing is a ridiculous... Listen, we're not a political show, but there are some issues in the entertainment 100%. industry that are prevalent throughout whatever entertainment field you are in. And unfortunately, Ticketmaster is at the fucking heart and center of it. So They're, that uh, is what I will say on that matter. That's uh, no, and, and you're uh, you're absolutely right on that one too. By the way, a quick shout out to uh, my boy Mike Cannon. He sold out the Gramercy Theater. No shit. Yeah, man, Cannon's doing great. I love him. Uh, what a great comic! If you have not checked him out, if you like any of my stuff, um, go enjoy a better performer and a all around engaging personality. One of the funniest Fucking dudes. I know. Stop it. Mike's crazy talented, man. Uh, I'm a joke machine. He knows that. Dude. That's why he likes me. He goes, oh, you just go out there and you do your jokes, and then I'll go out there and have a personality, KP. <laughs> um, but I love Mike Cannon, man. So what if I told you, Kahuna, All right. Taylor Swift aside, um, Taylor Swift aside, we talk about her a lot on this show. I have a thing. I'm sure you picked yeah, up on it. Yeah. yeah. It's her and Elle McPherson. Um, she didn't do it for me, man. She's too Snow White. Elle or Taylor? Taylor. They're both. Yeah. It's uh, but. Plus, she writes too many songs about her exes. And then I'm like, I would never want to be in that position. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, if I ever date her, you'll know if I ever date her because her next song will be called He Can't Get Hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gas station pills. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. Gas station ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> it had a rhino on it. Um, anyway, so what about We're getting into it. Yes, Ming takes great care of us here over to Shared Universe, which is why we're about to tell the story today of 
the actual worst thing that ever happened at the Capitol building. January 6th was, uh, if you look at like the big crazy evidence stuff that's going to come out. And, and it's like again, the fourth craziest thing. Yeah, I would say 30 years from now, we'll be able to do a calm episode where we just report fact for fact what actually happened because a lot of conjecture gets thrown in there. A lot of uh, viewpoints, spin pieces coming in and out all over the place. And I try to do a good job of uh, breaking all that stuff down. This story happened so long ago, we can tell this story. And uh, it's a pretty good one here, Cahoons. Mm -hmm. Now, how far back do you think we have to go? Um in order to get to a shooting at the Capitol building. Oh, uh, six years ago. It's interesting, right? Yeah, no, we don't know. We don't got to go very far. So uh, we're not a political show. Politics is a part of history, so we can't not cover this particularly wild story. So when you hear Capitol building today, you immediately think of current events. But what if I told you that in 1890, something even wilder went down? Okay, there was a shooting at the Capitol building in 1890. And here we are over 140 years later. And get this, folks, if you look closely when you're at the Capitol building, and you can see this as a tourist. If you go in there to this day, there is a staircase. Okay, and over 140 years ago, something bad went down on that staircase, Kahuna. And if you go there today, you can still see blood stains on the staircase of the Capitol building. That I got to say, that's kind of some gangster shit. It's uh, oh, don't get me wrong. It, it's so Listen, the government as sketchy as it can be sometimes all the time, most of the time. Uh, that's pretty baller. They're like, look what this motherfucker tried to do. That's what they always we try to say. It. Yeah, they try to say gangster rap like brought like a thug culture. Like, no, no, no. Gangster rap just said it out loud. It was always there. There's always <laughs> been this country is gangster just is what it is. So. This particular story goes all the way back to 1890. Now, a couple of years, eh, a couple of decades before that, our boy Dan Sickles decided he was going to go set things right with the guy who was screwing his wife. But that was in front of the Capitol building. This one happened inside, inside. the Capitol building. There's a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. The bloody staircase where it all went down. In order to tell the story, we have to enter our first character, William P. Talby. Okay. Now, maybe I'm pronouncing this wrong. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. Have we mentioned him on the show before? We have not. We have not. Talby is uh, spelled T-A-U-L-B-E-E. -E. Oh, yeah. No. B-E-E. -E. There you go. Just from the spelling alone, I know we haven't. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, so he's an interesting guy here. Now, if um, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I want like uh, we got some diehards out there. Let me get, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Jeff Quinton or uh, Nick Franco or Stu or... Uh, Honestly, we got a million uh, Deb. I Deb. mean, how are they going to correct us on the name of a man who's been dead probably for over eighty? They're going to figure it out. Years. I think you got to give the founding losers credit, man. They really do I know do their shit. I do give them credit, oh, but yeah. like, come on. All right, fine. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Stu Greenberg. I'm they calling you out. They all can. Nick came out to my show on Saturday. It was great to see him, actually. If like, you guys ever see me do stand-up live, do me a favor. Yell out American Loser. I'll know what you mean. Everybody else will think you're heckling, but I'll know what you mean, and that's what means a lot to me. And that's who I want to go talk to after the shows as well. I almost did it at the dojo. But I was like, I'm the one filming. I You're probably like, should. I'm going to ruin my own buddy's tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or then they'll think it's a plant. Like, oh, he pays his producer to shout out his own show. <laughs> Inside job. Oh, so uh, enter William P. Talby, a nice boy from Kentucky with dreams of serving in government one day. I'm sure when he left for Washington, D.C., he had no idea that he would be arriving at the scene of his own eventual death. Damn. Born in 1851 in Morgan County, Kentucky, Mr. Talby would be schooled by his father and receive a firm education with both a religious and a legal background. A good mix of law and ethics, that's a good solid background for any guy with political ambitions, I would say. 
His first foray into public office would be winning multiple terms. Not one, not two, but multiple. Multiple terms as the clerk of McGuffin County. I believe it's pronounced McGuffin. Uh, out in Kentucky. And he served in that office from 1878 to 1884. Okay, so we're talking about 20 years after the Civil War here. McGuffin County isn't the MacGuffin of our story. I'm very <laughs> I was, disappointed. I was waiting. What what Kafka esque? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, come 1884, our boy Talby now has his sights set on Washington D.C. He will run as a Democrat. Okay, important to note here too, to adjust to give you the zeitgeist without Larry Burke being here. You're talking 1884. That's a full almost 20 years now. You're in the Reconstruction era. Things have settled down a little bit. I believe Andrew Johnson is out of the presidency. I think it's the Grant presidency now at this point. I wrote this episode a couple of weeks ago. We just didn't get a chance to record because uh, it's difficult to come by studio time. We, you know, in between Ming's vacations. Um, but uh, we love you, Ming. We actually do love Ming. But um, 1884 here is the time frame. He's going to run as a Democrat. So keep in mind, Kentucky was uh, an interesting state because they were a little bit red. They were a little bit blue. They were a little bit gray. They were a little bit union. You know what I mean? So Kentucky kind of does its own thing. Kentucky has a mind of its own, and I do admire their wildness out there. I, uh, I got, mean, they got the bourbon trail. They can't be all bad. Oh yeah, it's a bourbon trail, and uh, you know, a guy. If you want to talk about integrity and in politics, you know, Ron Paul's a pretty fascinating guy. He's been saying the same thing for uh, his whole life, and he's been yelled at by both sides at different times for it. Not Rand Paul. Rand is different. Ron was fascinating. So Kentucky has a lot of big personalities, William Talby being one of them, one of the early ones here, too. So um, he's going to run as a Democrat. Talby will win and will also be reelected to terms serving in the U.S. House of Representatives. This is huge, by the way, because uh, you know the difference between the House of Representatives and uh, Congress, right? But wait, isn't Congress the one like isn't Congress the bigger power? Well, you, you'll have. um a senator and then you have representatives so senators are every state gets two so oh okay that's so why he's you, speaking for the state right. of uh, kentucky so now but he's going to speak as a representative so representatives are based off population so that would be why okay. new jersey is going to have more representatives than say um and i might be wrong but let's say uh so in terms of geography uh north and south dakota are huge territories right yeah but, but not very not big very, in population. Exactly. So that's why uh, New so Jersey- So they'll have like one or two. Right. And then we'll have like four or five. We really have an excellent- I, I, I've, I'd say this unabashedly. We have a lot of listeners over in other countries and stuff too, which uh, I think is really cool. And I love getting to meet people who, who are, are from different parts of the world that listen to the show. I think America has the greatest form of government ever attempted. And I do say attempted because it's very much still an experiment. It's working. It fails often. But it also catches itself before it can fall. We have never fallen into fascism. We've never become communist. Okay. There's some black marks in history for sure. But at the end of the day, America is when the, the gridlock works, sometimes the gridlock is what saves you from going with what's ever fashionable. You know what I mean? Because let me tell you, it was quite fashionable to be a Limp Biscuit fan. When I was a Limp Biscuit <laughs> fan, but if you if you're a Limp Biscuit fan for too long, you know what I mean. So, fashion comes and goes. You can. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you can stick to the classic. If you're a Led Zeppelin fan, you can be a Led Zeppelin fan forever. That's a classic. So the, yeah. the gridlock is what you know can kind of help you from falling into um, the flavor of the week, if you will. So we all thought Fred Durst was the shit. It's. A, I still maintain he's the shit, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> so. 
continue. Oh yeah, uh, he was he was a big big uh, inspiration for me and other mediocre white guys um, with large heads. So if only right. we could fly. So back to the zeitgeist. So we're so but we've this covered is, this we've, is the times, right? And so that's the difference between Congress and representatives. Right. Kentucky's going to have a low population, even by today's standards, especially compared to our great state of New Jersey here, which is also, you know, uh, I mean, Jersey's Jersey. It's insane here. But to be one of the representatives of Kentucky in the nation's capital in 1880, well, that's just damn impressive because they're not going to have a ton of them due to the population. So with great success does have to come some detractors though. Okay. When you have that much success, you're going to start getting the attention, the attention. And one, by the way, and I mean this too. I do think the press at times is the enemy of the people and the enemy of a, a free society. However, when the government gets too corrupt, the first thing I want is a free press because they can investigate and take care of shit. Yes. So there's a lot of it, we go back to that use of power thing. Everybody thinks these rants are rant, you know, out of nowhere with me. No, everything's consistent. Oddly enough, it all makes sense in the scrambled brain that I have. <laughs> However, this is what we're going to talk about here. This is where the swamp connotation is going to start to come out. He has great success early on here. And of course, it's going to start to get his attention because uh, Mr. Talby's going to find out real quick that once you get sucked into the swamp of D.C., well, things can get stuck real quickly. Somebody once told him. <laughs> if that song plays at the end of this story, I'll throw it back to you for a second. <laughs> so things are going to get ugly real quick for our boy, Mr. Talby, although he was able to avoid any real negative press or issues during his first term. But shortly after his reelection, which is in 1886 now, okay, 1886, he's reelected. He's quietly served one term. Now he's back. And they're like, oh, I guess this guy's sticking around. We got to figure out what he's all about. He probably pissed off maybe some person here or there or this particular journalist that we're about I mean, to introduce. With the way he went out, I'm going to assume he pissed off some people. Hmm. Funny that that's how you think the story goes. And Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> Well, uh, in 1886, Talby will find out that being a public servant means being forced to have a public life. And unfortunately, in the public office lifestyle, privacy is the first casualty of war. Yeah. Enter Charles Kincaid. Charles Kincaid was a journalist for the Louisville Times. He was older than the young and, dare I say, more handsome Representative Talby. Nothing seems to really be the impetus for their feud here, but it's a tale as old as time. Reporter finds scandal of public figure and reports on it. Now, here's the thing. This is what I always have to say. If there was a scandal to be found and the reporter found it, the reporter should report on it. But were they hunting for a scandal or did they help manufacture one? That's where it always comes down to. We're like... That's why there's going to be some crazy stuff. It's going to take about 30 years for us to digest some of the scandals that were broken out in like the last 10 years. But this particular one is rather tame by modern standards. What did he, he, he didn't, he didn't shop at the gap of the times? Like what? <laughs> well, the very married William P. Talby was caught despite his over the top uh, extra efforts to keep it quiet. He was caught having an extramarital affair with a very attractive young warm, uh, woman that worked in the U.S. Patent Office. You know what I mean? You're a powerful guy. You're working hard. You play hard. You find a hot little chick who's, you know, hey, my wife's back. I'm, I'm only in town a couple of nights. See, this is so strange to me, man, because it's like, how is this still a scandal back in the day when every dude is fucking practically cheating on their wife around this time period? We can't. Pro it, it's always weird, too, because the people that they want to find the scandals on, they never find anything. 
you know, or people, yeah. you know, it's always goofy with that. But why'd you say with the manufactured thing, is there still a debate that whether or not this was true or not? Well, you can figure out if, um, if you're going to do objective journalism, which I think is a powerful tool for good that helps ensure freedom. I always like uh, the Constitution here. I think that the uh, the Second Amendment will protect the first kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Um, so if a journalist thinks that the government's coming after them and they're trying to break a story, I want them to be able to break their story. You know, a couple of there's a great movie uh, with uh, Jeremy Renner in it um, called Shoot the Messenger. That, that's a true story. Uh, it, that's a great movie. That's a fucking great movie. It, it is. And uh, the true story behind that is as uh, bad as, shit as it is. They did not take as many liberties as people thought with that movie. So, um, which, which then makes that makes it a horror movie. Unfortunately, correct. Uh, they they really did go after. Uh, now, th- here's the other thing: you can ruin a public servant's life, and they just have to sit there and fucking take it. Now, in this instance, and don't get me wrong, Talby was guilty as shit. Oh, he was. Oh yeah. <laughs> how much of this was based when you see how it all goes down here? Um, but again, get this one. Here's the representative lifestyle. People don't fully understand this. When uh, Congress is in session or the government is having hearings or anything like that, then the representatives and everybody has to go. It's technically a part-time job, right? It's a full-time job, but it's a part-time job. More Well, this, more so back in the day. Absolutely. This is like, part, that's the, one of the, the things, service. Yeah. One of the things that was pretty prevalent back in the day was like, this shouldn't be your full-time gig. You shouldn't be a full-time politician, mm-hmm. which is not the case anymore. That has since shifted. Not but at all. there are some people who, honestly, me included, who think that it should be kind of like that. Like, yes, there it are could've... roles that do need to be filled year-round, but if your whole personality and life is around being a politician, I do not trust you. You can't because it's agreeing to be a shapeshifter. That, that's why so many good people are not drawn to that office, uh, to the idea of holding a public office anymore. Fuck no. So we've uh, we've made it. It's a terrible job to have. However, and I, I wrote this dumb joke the other, other day. I thought it was uh, George Carlin adjacent uh, in terms of its simplicity. You know, say what you want about corruption, but there's a lot of money in it. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's yeah, that's pretty Carlinist. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, but I, I wrote that. I was like, oh, it's true too. Damn it. Um, but yes, yeah, so the very married William P. Talby is actually going to be caught sleeping with this attractive young woman that works in the U.S. Patent Office. It's important that she works in the U.S. Patent Office too, because that means she is also government employee. That's two government employees screwing each other. So when they shouldn't be. Exactly. Uh, now she was not married herself, so it was less scandalous for her. But I'm sure sleeping with a married man is definitely. Um, I'm sure whore and harlot were being thrown around uh, in earnest. So anyhow. It's uh, called mind your fucking business anyway. It could be. It could yeah. be. But it's also if um, if this is it's kind of like tax evasion uh, should not have been the thing that took Capone down. But it's the only thing they could get that would stick. Yeah. So, so it, this was probably the only real uh, thing they had against him. Well, there was, there was other been... stuff. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Talby's a, a character here. Kincaid's report will not only break the story. But also goes into great detail showing the various ways that Talby and his lover would carefully navigate their meetups in order to avoid the public eye in D.C. That just seems rude. Like you're giving away this dude's whole ass escape plan. Oh, it, it, I'm telling you that that's where the story the story's going to tell itself. That's the craziest part here. Listen, I do not condone cheating. I never have, never will. I've seen the horrors of what could happen afterwards. It is not pleasant. However, what happens between two people? It is none of my fucking business. You know what I mean? It's there. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough there one. for sure. 
But then at the same time, this dude is just like, so this is how they fucking, they do this, this, and this. I find that to be kind of hilarious. Well, this is where journalism runs the line from the newspaper to the tabloids, that there's a delineation. If you say journalist, that means you do everything. That's like when I meet somebody like, oh, I'm a comedian. I'm like, oh, cool. Where do you work? Well, you know, TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shut up, nerd. You're doing better than me, but- um, Ladies, I, I'm not a piece of shit, by the way. I promise. No, Kuhn is not a piece of shit. His daughter that he hasn't seen in 11 years. Shut um, the fuck <laughs> up! So, Talby gets busted sleeping with a good-looking young woman at the U.S. Patent Office. And now, everything is being showcased here in this newspaper article that's destroying him. So, it's the great details that he's doing. So, here's the thing. It's, you're doing something wrong, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we have proof that you knew it was wrong and you kept doing it anyway because you thought you could get away with it. So we caught you and we caught you trying to cover up your tracks. So it's even worse now. Yeah, because then it's because then it's like we can't trust you. That's that I think it comes into the point of this at least a little bit. Oh, especially when you're uh, holding a public office and especially in the 1800s here, late 1800s, albeit. But yeah. uh, Kincaid will showcase the, the precautionary measures the congressman would use to throw everybody off here. So now journalists or gossipers, really, they're kind of one and the same at this point of the story here. I was about to say, are are we talking about the founding of TMZ? It's hard to tell. Is it it TMZ or the New York Times that's going to report on it? And the answer is (laughs) a little bit of both. Um, Now, by showcasing the efforts to conceal the affair from public knowledge, it was damning evidence against the congressman. Kincaid had previously written articles arguing that Talby was improperly uh, profiting from his power in office. A lot of P's there. I should have caught that in the review room. Which was disputed, by the way. So they couldn't exactly prove that he was, uh, you know, gaining uh, a little extra money on the side here or there, maybe making a little effort. Hey, you know, uh, if you need a favor done while I'm in D.C., I'm going to be going there. You know, I'm a representative and all. You know, I can help you out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Kid? Based on what you've read about him, does he seem like that kind of cat? I think that, like you said, the public office, the, the people who serve their term and then leave um, are the minority. And people who stick around and say, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I might as well make a little bit of money while I'm doing it, too. I can really take care of my wife. I, I'm not really doing anything wrong. It's a, a gray area. We'll call it that. So anyway, uh, this guy, Kincaid, had tried to write an article about how Talby was profiting improperly from his office uh, and the power that comes with it. And it gained a little bit of traction, but not enough to really be anything here. So uh, that's why the story is going to be crazy. So now he's not able to get you on that. Everybody knows Al Capone is a gang leader, but we can't hit him with anything. So we're going to hit him with tax evasion, right? So this Talby guy, he's improperly, he's taking money from the people of Kentucky and you know profiting off of it. And he's using his connection. Oh, yeah. So we can't prove any of this, but we caught him dead to rights with this girl that he's definitely not married to that he's fucking. So... Talby is improperly profiting over here. They can't prove it. But even though the claims don't amount to anything more than rumors, it certainly made Talby aware that Charles Kincaid of the Louisville Times was not going to be his friend, which is why all hell broke loose once the article about his extramarital affair would hit the printing press. The scandal became a source of fascination for the public and added gasoline to the fire that maybe this Talby fellow is not the clean cut proper man of God and law that came from Kentucky, where his father had educated him in both law, the legal system. And religion as well. So he's not exactly living up to his own billing as a, a good man of God and <laughs> ethics. No, no, no. And no, no, no. sometimes you just got to bang a hot little brunette girl from the patent office. <laughs> so. The fuck was that voice for a second there? It slipped through for just a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're calling the shots now. Talby's back. So. 
But the scandal will lead to, unfortunately, here, and this is the crate. It's nuts, too. This is how good of a scandal it was back in the day, and this is how much uh, of a ruckus it caused. The scandal will lead to Talby's political demise as he realized that running for another term would likely end in failure, as the father of five decided it was time to leave public office at the end of his second term and get into a similar but less public line of work a lobbyist. So you went from moderately sketchy to just, you know what, I'm just going to play the part of the bad guy. Well, it's interesting, too, because what exactly is a lobbyist off the top of your head? What do you think, Kahuna? Lobbyist is a dude who, oh, my God, I sound so stupid. Lobbyist is a man or a woman who can uh, lobby for uh, companies or any individual to push matters forward through office. Is that kind of it? Or am I? It is. It is. So. Interesting time frame here. We're talking about uh, Reconstruction era, so probably so I want to like say railroad contracts and shit. You know, like like special interest groups are going to come in. Um, and by the way, this is all the stuff that like people still run about getting on the platform. Of, We're going to get rid of the special interest groups and the super funders and the super PACs and everything. They, they still run on that because people don't want that in politics, but it never goes away. Um, Trump, to his credit, did self fund his campaign until a certain point, and then he started taking all the money. So um, now what exactly is a lobbyist? Well, they are chosen advocates of certain causes that embed themselves in D.C. in order to influence political issues regarding their financial concerns. If, influence. Indeed, influence. Influencers, Kahuna. Oh, shit. They've been around since then. That's right. There was a, there had to be a Joe Rogan of they the just, day back sh- then. They just, they just fucking shapeshift. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah. Now it's actually nicer in uh, certain aspects, too, because, you know, they weren't doing, you know, butt models weren't a thing on Instagram just yet. So, I mean, they had ankle models, though, back then. So, I mean, it's just shifted again. <laughs> ankle monitors, maybe, for this guy. Hello. Oh, <laughs> shit. So, if we needed to make sure this podcast was held in a favorable light by the lawmakers in D.C., we would pay the kahuna big money to go to D.C. and make friends in high places. And he could seek out audiences with those in power that could help us do some good and maybe help us avoid hitting anything too bad. Like, oh, our friends over at uh, the American Loser podcast. That's what you would be sent out there to do. That would be kahuna as a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. So, here on the show so i had it i was very fucking off okay no no you weren't off you're 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 giving the modern sense of what a lobbyist is so oh in order to get to the uh in order to get to the genesis of the term here all right uh here on the show we like to employ what we refer to as any fan of the westerns and the great john ford will know book learning words Uh, (laughs) the liberty valance principle you've seen the man who shot liberty valance right Yes, one based the, on your recommendation. Oh, yeah. One of the great all-time movies ever. Uh, incredible film. Uh, go see it. Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne. I really Classic. shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't have to sell you anything more, man. But The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is a great movie. And in we hold ourselves to the Liberty Valance principle here on the show where we can explain the truth and the legend and let you decide what you believe before we decide to print the legend. So according to a very, very plausible myth, the term lobbyist comes from the Ulysses S. Grant presidency. Grant would often end his work days as president by heading over to a D.C. area hotel where he would sit in a big leather chair, smoke a cigar, and drink a few brandies. Ulysses S. Grant, okay? He's no Teddy Roosevelt, but pretty badass president. Mm -hmm. Really big fan, big fan. So, um, Also, he happened to win the war, uh, the Civil War in the United States, and uh, did a great job with the reconstruction efforts and trying to bring us all back together from the brink of what should have been pure disaster with the, you know, the Johnson presidency. But for more on that, check out the two-parter on uh, Andrew Johnson's presidency, a most hated man, a most hated president. So anyway, here's the thing. He always goes to the same place, Kahuna. 
Okay. To sit in this big leathery chair, smoke a cigar, drink a couple of brandies. He's a man's man. He's a good dude, right? Badass guy. You want to hang out with him. Kind of president you want to have a beer with. Wonder where that came from. <laughs> so here's what happens. If you know the president's going to be in this lobby and you set yourself up that maybe there's an empty chair across from his big leather chair that he always sits in, mm -hmm. you could sit there and be like, hey, aren't you Ulysses S. Grant, the president? Why, uh, yes, I am. In, oh, interesting. So, wait, listen, hold on, hold on. I work for. <laughs> Why, yes, I am. Because Ulysses S. Grant sounds like a Muppet. There we go. Oh, my God. Everything's <laughs> a Muppet with this kid. What are we going to do? Absolutely fucking nothing <laughs> about it. All right. So, he's sitting in this chair. Fucking... So his, big, his big chair. He's puffing on a cigar, which ironically killed him. He did die of throat cancer. Can um, I help you with something? Yeah. Yes, I am the president. He's sitting there. Oh, well, well interesting. It's crazy because I actually, I work for a, uh, a, you know, a local interest group that uh, is very concerned about the idea that uh, uh, this electricity thing we keep hearing about, that might be a thing. What do you Are think? Are you now? Yeah. So, uh, and we would actually help back you, Mr. President, to make sure that you get reelected if you could help guarantee there was going to be some interest in, you know, uh, electricity moving forward. Hmm. And then boom. You see what you mean? You start currying favor. You're making connections. You're in the swamp, baby. It's not about what you know. It's who you know. Okay? I was just going to say, that's the... <laughs> so, that's where the framework of fucking Hollywood comes from. Absolutely. And by the way, I, I really... I mean this. I mean this. If Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was smart, what she would do is find out what different people in D.C. like to drink and then go back into her bartending background, which, by the way, completely viable career. She should not be shamed for having it. And just start showing up with that person's cocktail and handing it to them at these little meetings. If she walked up to Joe Biden, she goes, Shirley Temple on the rocks and just hands Joe Bi and Biden. How, how'd you know I like that? Oh, well, it's crazy, Mr. I mean, I, it's Shirley Temple. I used to be a bartender myself. Anyway, here's the thing. This is the thing I'm, uh, I want to propose this next time we're in session. Boom. Entry level. You know what I mean? That's. I, I can't knock that. That's pretty smart. Nope. Would have been a good move. Would have been a good move. So that's what lobbyists were doing back in the day. So we have told you this here. So um, the people that would hang out in the lobby and wait for Ulysses S. Grant, apparently the rumor was, the legend is we're going to uh, you know, tell you the story here. People would be lining up to the point where like hours before the president would end his work day, they'd be like fighting over who got to sit where in this lobby of a hotel. And then Ulysses S. Grant supposedly quipped, oh, look at these goddamn lobbyists. Boom, a term is born. Whoa. Okay. And it hurts too. It hurts because that's part of the modern parlance. I remember when somebody said uh, um, they, they thought that uh, they didn't understand why we put gate at the end of every scandal. And I was like, what Watergate? Uh, yeah. But like, what was the first gate? Was there like a gate gate? No, no, no. Watergate hotel. Yeah. But like, what was the gate? Like they weren't. No, that's no, it. That's the gate. <laughs> but anyhow, um, so. Grant started noticing those people and referring to them as those damn lobbyists. So if it's a if it's if it's legend, if it's that inc if, honestly, if it is incorrect, I don't care. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I just I just choose to accept that as exactly. Fact. Now, as a lobbyist, having made and by the way, mind you, around the Grant president, Kuna, can you look up who was president in eighteen ninety? I think it might have been. There might be some crossover time here. We might have a loser section I didn't even notice before. So eighteen eighty six is when he. Um, he wins his reelection. So by 1890, so it's Benjamin, Benjamin Harris. Harrison. Interestingly enough, lose reception. Benjamin Harrison only served one term as president, and his term interrupted the only president to serve non consecutive terms, Grover Cleveland, who was the first episode of American Loser. Whoa! Damn right, folks. So, and anyway, we've covered what a lobbyist is. We're giving you the time frame now. This is the Benjamin Harrison presidency. Okay. 
And uh, having made all sorts of good connections as a congressman, Talby found himself a nice high paying job as a lobbyist after leaving public office. He was able to stay in D.C. and enjoyed a second career deep, deep, deep in the heart of the swamp. He often referred to the Capitol building. I'm sorry, not referred, returned to the <laughs> Capitol building to see old acquaintances and more. Why would you not go to where you used to work and be like, hey, guys, what's up? Can we help each other out here a little bit? Shit, I've done that just as jobs working excavation before. You know, if you guys are doing this, I can go over here and start selling these things. Yeah, it's, it's like when somebody comes by and does your driveway. One person hires you to, to redo your driveway. They start knocking on the door. Hey, man, we got all the equipment right here. I'll do your driveway right now, too. Pay me cash. The, every single time the driveway I grew up in was ever done, it was because my dad just goes, hey, you guys got all your shit here. Do you want to you want to make another couple hundred bucks? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, unfortunately, in doing so, by returning to the Capitol building, he would return routinely. Mr. Talby would routinely bump into that, that goddamn son of a bitch reporter from the Louisville Times that ruined my political career. Anytime Talby would see Mr. Kincaid, the two men of whom Talby was the larger and more physically imposing. So Talby's a big guy, younger guy, too. Um, it was not new information that these two guys hated each other. And Talby would sometimes get in his face. They would trade insults to one another. But like good old time, like 1880s, like insults, like, you know, uh, not quite Shakespeare, bite your thumb at me, sir. But the kind of thing um, like, you know, on an episode of Deadwood, when you're like, oh, Al Swearingen just told him to go fuck himself without saying it. Mm -hmm. That kind of a thing. So anyhow, this is going to lead up to they're seeing each other all the time. They're shit talking in the hallway at each other. And it's kind of like that thing, you know, you keep seeing, you know, two kids in your school. Every time the bell rings on one day, they see each other. You better stop talking shit, motherfucker. Yep. There, there's always and those like, two fucking kids. Oh, yeah. There's going to be two or three classes are going to go by. The tensions are going to boil over. You're going to be in a class. You know, the two of them are going to be in there with each other later. Or as soon as the bell gets, uh, you know, rung. It's either going to be. It's coming. A bloodbath or fucking hilarious. Sometimes both. Um, <laughs> so, uh, interestingly enough, it's not new information that these two guys hate each other, which is why on February 28th, 1890, literally a couple of days ago, we just celebrated the anniversary of this. The tensions will hit a breaking point. As Talby walked around the Capitol building, he saw and traded insults with his nemesis, Kincaid. Kincaid must have gotten the better of the verbal exchange because Talby, who up until this point had not done anything physical, they did not like each other. They insulted each other regularly. Kincaid must have said something real good that day. He must have bit his thumb at him or had the greatest yo mama joke you've ever heard because <laughs> Talby runs right over to him, grabs him by the collar, gets in his face and flings the journalist backwards. I don't know if he necessarily lands on his ass, but he definitely was like, whoa, like I'm going to kick the shit out of you right here. I'm going to make you look like pretty much. He gave him a wedgie in front of the cheerleaders. And sent him packing. Get out of here, twerp, kind of a thing. And by the way, if I'm doing something wrong and you profit off, you want to talk about improperly profiting off of a public office and writing a, you know, an article about it, that's one thing. But now you find out that, that guy's also profited off of your public um, scrutiny Ugh. and a big scandalous affair. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm not going to say, well, you know, I really shouldn't have been cheating on my wife. We think we would do that. We want to think we'd do that. But you'd also sit there and be like, that son of a bitch ruined a lot of shit for me. So, yeah, it just kind of festers. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. And now here's the craziest part here, too, because, again, like we said, Kincaid must have said something really good because this is the first time that uh, our boy Talby ever put his hands on him. Embarrassed and maybe feeling maybe one tenth of the humiliation that he had caused Talby by publishing his extramarital affair, Kincaid will leave the Capitol building as Talby carried on his day as if nothing had occurred. Kincaid remembered that the pen is mightier than the sword, Kahuna. Oh. But the yeah. gun's mightier than the pen and the sword combined. 
Oh, shit. Kincaid will return to his home, grab his gun, and return to the nation's Capitol building. As Talby walked down the staircase on the House side of Congress, remember that for closing here in a minute, um, the House side of Congress, literally a staircase that our boy Talby had gone up and down a million times throughout his life, Kincaid will emerge and shoot Talby directly in the face. Oh, shit. In the face. Just... Point blank. Point blank. Chapped his ass. Now, what would have been an instant kill shot with a larger caliber proved to be a mortal but slow wound on Talby. Okay? So, because it's a smaller caliber, which if you guys don't know much about guns, small caliber, small caliber, tinier bullet. Okay? And uh, so, that would be like a, a 22 round you would use on like a rabbit or a bird or even just target practice or anything. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could kill a person, but you have to be up close to him. In fact, the mafia hitmen really like 22s because the 22 is uh, if you got right up behind them and shot somebody behind the ears, Kahuna. Yeah. The bullet would go into their brain, bounce around in their brain. It's not powerful enough to make an exit wound. So you guarantee that the guy's dead. There's no way he's living through that one. Oh. Oh yeah. So sm that's what I'm using here for now. Smaller cut. Now, if you did that with a 44 Magnum, well, it'd blow your head clean off. <laughs> so what do you what do you mean? There would be no head left. Exactly. <laughs> He, so, would, he would look like fucking Britney Spears from the fucking South Park episode. Oh, you could have just said Britney Spears. It's bad lately. Um, <laughs> old Britney. I'm sorry, baby. What happened to you? Um, Hit me, baby, one more time. Oh, yeah. What the well, fuck? Anyway. Exactly. Um, the important thing here is that because the shot was fired from a small cal a caliber weapon, um, he doesn't die right away. Tons of blood. Tons of blood. You want to know how much blood? How much blood? So Enough. much so that it's still soaked into the staircase of the Capitol building. So it's soaked into the staircase. They didn't just kind of laminate it over there it. forever. And I found out about this story, too, by the way, from Representative Dan Crenshaw's uh, Instagram. Uh, Dan Crenshaw out of Texas. Interesting guy. Former Navy SEAL. Um, but big history buff, too, actually. So this is 100% true. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, I wouldn't. You can look that one up too. It was a long time ago that I found this because I remember sc uh, I screenshot it. So just search um, uh, staircase shooting Capitol building and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, Kincaid has shown up and he settled this. He shot his bully in the face or, uh, you know, or he got petty enough that he finally like, oh, he's going to put my, his hands on me. I'll come back with a gun and kill you. Now, was he a Dan Sickles and used insanity and got away with it? Or well. Or did he go straight to So, jail? Kahuna. Um, <laughs> the slow wound on Talby will see the former congressman fall onto the staircase and bleed profusely as the police will arrive on the scene where the journalist admitted out loud because there was tons of witnesses. I shot him. I shot this man in the face. I shot him. Imagine telling the cops that. What lawyer would allow you to say that? Every lawyer would None. say, you didn't know what you were talking about. You had no clue. You were caught up in the moment. You were scared. You heard a gunshot. You didn't know where it came from. You were afraid. So anyway, because the small caliber bullet did not instantly kill him, Talby will actually suffer for 11 days before, no. he, before he dies of being shot in the first He suffered for 11 fucking days? Sounds similar to our boy, uh, um, President Garfield, who died uh, almost months after he was shot by Charles J. Gateau. So, Talby will die 11 days later. His remains are taken back to Kentucky for a family burial. His bloodstains remain on the Congress steps to this day. The side entrance to the Capitol building that had previously lacked metal detectors and extra security is now known as the Scandal Entrance. 
because it is often used by congressmen and officials seeking to avoid the press members that wait by the front entrances to launch questions at the person in question. So if you're going through a little bit of a scandal, if um, I mean, there's a million different scandals always going on here, too. Um, but if you wanted to avert the press, you would, you know, dip out this little scandal staircase over here where a guy happened to get shot by a reporter. So here's the best way to avoid the press, except for that one guy. Mm. Now, Talby, like we said, passes away over here. He's dead. Uh, body is buried over in Kentucky, his uh, homeland. Now, whatever happened to Kincaid, you were kind of asking? Well, very similar, Kahuna, to our boy Dan Sickles. He went to trial, having admitted to firing the shot to the police that arrested him. Well, his trial will become a national sensation as he pleads self-defense. And thanks to some very, very clever and compelling defense attorneys, he's found not guilty and walks. What? Oh, yeah. Yo. I walked into the Capitol building. I, I shot, shot the, the guy who gave me, you know, uh, absolutely put his hands on me in front of people. So so what you're saying is that so what this you're guy, saying is, so what you're saying is that this guy proves the case that some people deserve to be bullied. Um, It's it's there. It's there. And again, this case is I don't know who I like or dislike more in this particular one. It's I kinda, know this is a fucking weird one. Yeah, This is a, a guy who should not have been cheating on his wife. No, probably shouldn't have put his hands on a guy. But also, if you wrote an article about how I cheated on my wife and made your name off of that and then continued to harass me, I'm probably going to fuck you up at some point. Yeah. Right. And if I got beat up by the guy whose life I wrote, I would sit there and be like, well, I probably should take one on the nose or, or I could go home and get a gun. Yeah, that's some bullshit. He's brutal, man. He's a Listen, brutal fella. We're not saying that fucking Talby was a nice guy or a great human being. But like this dude murdered this dude in cold blood and told the cops and told I the cops. shot him. Yes. Told the fucking cops and, like a chump. Oh, yeah. He didn't know that he was going to die 11 days later. He thought he settled it right then and there. So come on down to D.C., folks. Shoot a fella in broad daylight with witnesses. Seems to work out most of the time. So next time you hear somebody say politics is worse than ever. Talk to them about the fate of William Talby, whose killer walked free as his blood still stains the staircase of the Capitol building. Okay? It's ridiculous. That's insanity. That that's a real thing. Kahuna pulled up the picture here, too. I'll put it up on the uh, the Instagram, or maybe I'll put it up on the uh we need a uh, new Patreon. loser Instagram. I do. I do. Things uh, definitely uh, were better when we had all of that. So that actually wraps up the story over here. Kahuna, do you have anything you want to say on the way out? This is fucking lunacy. It always is, man. It always is. Uh, this is pretty... actually probably one of my favorites. Like, I, I didn't know that this had ever happened. It's a good, sweet story. You know what I mean? It hits pretty quickly. So um, here's what I got for you. Um couple of things you can do for me, guys. First of all, go please watch Escape from Jacksonville, uh, where we're getting about a thousand uh, a month or so new views, which is great. And um, we were actually, I didn't, I wanted to tell you this, Kahuna, you were actually featured in the laugh button, put out the best of 2022. No shit. And uh, guess, guess what's leading the pack for the best, uh, the, the compilation of the best jokes of the year? Um, the COVID joke. <laughs> we had a couple of good ones on there, man. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, do me a favor. Go on to my Instagram. It's at KP Burke sucks. If you're not following me, do me a favor and follow me. We're starting to get the numbers up there. The more money that I can make um, just off of, you know, maybe having to sell an ad or something like that, whatever we do, the gr the larger my profile becomes, the less I need to ask of you guys. And the more I can have a little bit of free time to do these uh, different things I want to do here. I don't mind working my day job. I'm not trying to get out of it. I'm not a lazy person. But when I'm working these day jobs, that means 10 to 12 hours of my day sometimes, I'm not able to work on anything else because of drive times, turning a wrench, whatever I got to do. 
Um, I'm still doing stand-up all the time all over the place. I'm actually headlining two breweries St. Patrick's Day weekend due to systemic racism. Um, I will be posting those again on my social media. So check me out. It's at KP Burke sucks. The more files we can get, the more views we can get on that. If you can do me a favor, leave a comment on escape from Jacksonville and just say American loser. Uh, I was very happy. I was just on gas digital's uh, real ass podcast again with Lewis J. Gomez and the great Zach Amico. Always fun over there, man. Love those guys. Love our boy St. Harrington too, by the way. Say hi to Harrington Kahuna. Hi Harrington. Harrington's about to become a dad. Actually. I'm very excited for him. Hey! Hey, congratulations yeah, that's right and it's the best way possible too he's he knocked up a co-worker <laughs> they're in a great relationship actually uh the, the two of them are absolute sweethearts i love them both oh, um yeah uh, to alex and mike honestly uh congrats and i uh, love you guys very much um but here's the whole thing man uh losers going to keep rolling baby we're going to keep doing things there's a book that's going to come out there's a couple other concepts we're working on and stuff here too and there's a lot of fun stuff going on over at this here Smod Castle. So I'm going to keep feeling things out. We're going to make things work as we can. But the more you guys can help me out, the less I have to ask of you. This episode was entirely paid for with the money from the people over at the Founding Loser on Patreon, where you can help support the show for as little as $3 a month. That's all I'm asking. It's literally less than a dollar a show. I'm trying to put something out every single week here. Schedules have been bad. But we're working on stuff, okay? And enjoy the back catalog. If you're hearing this episode years from now... Okay, years from now, and you're finally going through it. Just know that um, Taylor and I are very happy, and we're expecting a child together. So, that being said, Kahuna, I love you. Wait, what? Huh? Oh, that me knocking up Taylor Swift. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah. I was not listening for a no. second. I was just like, "Wait, I'm Uncle Kahuna already." You will be. You will be. I promise. Uh, no, I, I'm in love with a different blonde hair, blue eyed girl. Everybody knows that at this point. So. That being said, folks, we will be back with a full-on proper episode, and I'm going to leak the topic now, folks. You think you know his full story. Maybe you've seen him mentioned before. Maybe you've been to a city named after him. But Sir Walter Raleigh, what a fucked up life. Cousin Kelly's joining me. Uh, We'll have that episode out here for you shortly. Thank you so much to Ming at A Shared Universe, taking great care of us. We love you, Ming. All right. You're terrible at stand-up, but everybody is when they first start. Um, And Kahuna, thank you for everything that you do. Uh, Love you, buddy. Appreciate you making the time for us here today. And folks, that was the shooting at the Capitol building. American Losers. The first. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born.